Hi, Jim Kosho here from Dunn Lumber. Welcome to the Dunn Solutions Podcast, where we're committed to providing cutting-edge industry knowledge for the building contractor and trade professional. Today we'll hear from an all-female panel of architects and builders, moderated by the home editor of Lux Magazine, Lisa Bingham Dewar. Each of these women has had their own unique journey to success in the industry. And in this forum, they share the stories of how they got started, the challenges they've faced and overcome, and the advice they have for women in the industry. This podcast features Lisa Bingham Dewart of Lux Magazine. She fills the role of moderator for this discussion. Lisa is the home editor at Lux Magazine for Southern California and the Pacific Northwest. We also have Allison Ainsley of Ainsley Davis Construction. Allison is a partner and administrative construction manager at Ainsley Davis. Arlene Casile German of AKJ Architects LLC. Arlene brings more than 25 years of both commercial and residential design experience to her company. Meredith Everest of Bayless Architects, where she has been a principal and associate architect at Bayless for over four decades. We have Sharon Borges of Fairbank Construction. Sharon is president of Fairbank Construction and brings decades of project management experience to her role. Mary Johnston of Johnston Architects, LLC. Mary is one of the founding partners at Johnston Architects and believes that design has the power to change lives. We have Don Larson of David Hopkins Design. Don got her start in design at a very young age when she started painting and rearranging furniture at just the age of 10. And finally, Sherry Olson of Sherry Olson Architecture, PLLC. Over the past 25 years, Sherry has developed an extensive network of resources and relationships as she's brought her construction and project management expertise to her work. To contact any of these panelists, please reach out to Debbie Steiner at Lux Magazine at dsteiner at luxmagazine.com. That's D-S-T-E-I-N-E-R at L-U-X-E magazine.com. And for information on attending future educational events, feel free to email me at jimc at dumblumber.com. I had a completely different experience. I knew nothing about construction. I have a degree in interior design, and, and don't take this wrong, but when I graduated, I knew I didn't want to be in interior design because I realized it took a lot of patience and a lot of shopping. And I'm not very good at either of those. But I did work for an architecture firm, a couple architecture firms out of college. And I was doing a tenant improvement uh, for the city of Seattle. And I worked for, was working with a company called Rapid Construction at the time that they were doing this tenant improvement. And I basically, I think I was doing everything that the project manager was supposed to be doing. It was an older guy who, um, maybe I probably shouldn't say, who was a person who had uh, a small skill set. So every day I would say, hey, Walt, are you working on uh, this? And what's the schedule on that? And do you want me to call the plumber? And so anyway, the guys at Raffin called me and offered me a job. And I said, quite frankly, I don't understand what you guys do. But I'm pretty sure I can do whatever Walt isn't doing. <laughs> so I got a job. And I was a uh, flunky for a while. I remember my six-month uh, review. I told my, he was my, I guess, my boyfriend then, but he's now my husband. I said, I'm either going to get laid off or get a big raise. I could go anywhere, because I think I'm killing it, but maybe I'm just doing everything wrong, because again, Walt was still there, and Walt was not doing anything that I was doing. 
So uh, I've been in construction now 30 years. I was at Raffin for 16 years, and I've uh, had the honor of working with Tad Fairbank for Fairbank Construction for these last 14 years. And uh, I think, and we'll probably hit on this a little bit, I have been blessed with two great companies that really don't see gender and I just, I have really not had any struggles of being in this industry as a female. Um, Meredith, what, what brought you to architecture? Um, well, I wish I had some kind of epiphany when I was one or two years old playing with Lego blocks, but I really didn't have that kind of experience. I think I was inspired uh, when we were remodeling our home when I was younger, maybe seventh grade, eighth grade, and I, that's when the term architect came to mind. Um, and then basically in high school, you know, 11th grade, decided that's what I wanted to do. So I applied for colleges and went to school to be an architect. Uh, while in school, I thought, well, I think I'm going to be a chef or maybe a lawyer, and then, but, but stuck with architecture and, um, and then started working. So that's my story. And Don, what was your, your path? Um, well, I was raised actually very close to Chehalis, Napavine, uh, Washington, which is not in California. It is in Washington. <laughs> and on a 40-acre, uh, we had black Angus beef farm. And my poor dad, he got four daughters, and the son came later. So he had a farm. And he just never, I don't think his intention was to raise really four really strong girls, but he didn't really have a choice because he needed people to do the work. And we were there, and so we were driving a tractor at 10 years old. We were bringing in the cows. We were the ones bucking the hay bales until we uh, got a boyfriend that we could convince that he should do it and not us. <laughs> but I think through that experience, you know, we were always in the shop working with him. He was hands-on. He was a welder. He built our house. I never thought that it was something that I wasn't supposed to do or that I couldn't do. It just seemed like it fit. I love art and I'm really good at math. And those two things, I can satisfy those in this business. And uh, so I went into um, interior design school, uh, finished with that and started a kitchen and bath firm. And I worked there for 10 years kind of honing, uh, remodeling, whole house remodeling and then kitchen and bath. And each time I would kind of get bored as I got through um, another layer and a person that I worked with who every time I worked with him, I felt like the design was just elevated. And that was my partner, David Hopkins. And so we decided to go into business together in uh, 1998, right as I had my third child. So I don't know why I would think leaving when I have three babies at home would be a good idea, but we did. We ventured out and I, I'm so blessed. I, I feel the same way. I haven't had I've had some, you know, you, everybody has that story where somebody said something or did something. But I think overall, I have had a great experience and a great partner, and um, it's been a good, good, good time. Good employees, too. Thank and you. And Arlene, what was your trajectory here? Well, when I, can you guys hear me? Um, so I was always drawing when I was five years old, six years old, and 10, 12, so I was gravitating towards art at a very young age. I don't have anybody in my family who was an artist. I have no idea where this came from, um, but that was what I did. Uh, also, my parents, we, were, we grew up in Massachusetts in a small rural New England community. 
um, and my parents traveled a lot. So I was blessed with traveling um, to Europe at a young age. And you know, who knows if walking on the Parthenon had an impact? I just thought I was on a cool trip when I was young, so, and I was with my parents. Um, but in college, I was an art major, and I, I don't know, I, I don't think I'd recommend being an art major. Really hard to get a job after you get out. <laughs> so for a year, I kind of stumbled around, and then I fell into an interior design program um, where it was the first time I was able to combine art and, and analytical thinking, and I, I really enjoyed that, and then got out and worked for a few years, and, and then I realized that wasn't enough. So I said, okay, let's go back, and I went back and I, I studied architecture, and I, um, I, I really enjoyed that experience and kind of coupled it with studying business and always dreamed that I would have my own firm. I never knew how I'd make it happen. Um, I give credit to like my husband for letting me do this thing because I never know from year to year if I'm going to have a job. But um, so far, it's been about nine years, and, and I, I'm, I'm hanging in there and enjoying it and really happy that I, uh, I, I did it. So yeah, I just feel fortunate. Mary, what was your path? Well, my path was um, sort of by accident. And I, I've been noticing listening to the other women on the panel that, and from my own experience with my friends or women architects and designers, that very few women have those, well, I was a small child of two and I played with blocks and I always knew I was gonna be an architect. And maybe it's because that's just not the narrative that people traditionally gave to girls. And so most women come at these professions with a lot more um, sort of diff different paths and some stops and some starts. And I like to think it brings a lot of really great life experience. Uh, to the projects that we all do and the work that we all do. Um, and so I was an English literature major in college and I had no thought of being an architect. And I was, but I was doing a lot of graphic artwork. I was an editor for a magazine and didn't know what to do. And my older brother, who's a landscape architect, uh, said, well, you should go to architecture school. And I said, architecture school? I'm not very good at math. And he said, oh, you don't have to be good at math. <laughs> he said, you have to have a good imagination, and you do. And I realized that that, for me, was my way into the profession. Because the way I like to think of architecture is that you're a storyteller. And you're a storyteller, and you also imagine things that aren't there yet. And so if I define the profession that way, I think, oh, OK, well, that makes total sense. When from an outside point of view, maybe it really didn't make any sense at all. Uh, but I've been doing this now, and luckily, with my husband, who's my architecture partner, for, gosh, 30 years? Yeah, something like that. And it's still fun, so that's good. <laughs> and Sherry, what was your, your road? Well, I guess I'm the rare exception then. Because <laughs> I did want to be an architect ever since I was very young. and. I guess I've thought that, I'd like to think it was because I grew up near Italias and West in Arizona, but in all honesty, I, I realized within the last year or two that it may have been from watching Mr. Ed when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> 
Because I love horses, and the guy that Ed would talk to was an architect. And I just, I, I'm, unfortunately, that, that is my story. Um, <laughs> but, um, and uh, so I have, I knew in high school I wanted to be an architect. I took all the classes that I had to, to become an architect. Went to five-year undergraduate architecture program. Got registered super young. And then I went off to the East Coast and I started working for these big firms. And I was on the management track. And then I hit the sexism and the harassment. And I decided that I was either gonna drop out or I was gonna do something completely different. And what I did was I applied to Harvard and I didn't get in, which was really a blessing. I was like, yay! Um, or, and, but then I got into Columbia, which is really where I wanted to go. And um, Columbia's in New York. And what is, the way I look at it is Harvard teaches you how to fit into the profession. Columbia's where you want to go if you never want to fit into the uh, profession again. And that was me. And so after that, I had amazing teachers. I worked for the dean after I graduated. I started teaching. I taught at like Rhode Island School of Design. I, I got a fellowship, so I started writing a book. Then I met other people, so I started writing. But I also had, I was the teaching. It was kind of a typical New York practice, teaching, practicing, writing. And then I got pregnant, which was good. I wanted to get pregnant. But, um, <laughs> but then it's like I couldn't do, <laughs> I, could, I couldn't do all those things at, at the same time. And I realized that um, writing would be a way to let me be the hands-on parent that I wanted to be with my son. So I started writing, and I was a contributing editor for Architectural Record, and I wrote for the newspapers here. And, but anyways, I, the bad part about that is like, it, it's kind of what you were saying, um, Lisa, is that writing is very women-oriented. And I realized, well, something helped me to realize this, but I realized that I should, I should really practice. And so I went back to practicing. So Everybody had very distinctive ways of um, coming to the profession. We were talking about the idea of, of mentors and having other women who um, sort of are your support system in, in, in the field. So I wanted you to actually maybe hit on that and to start us off with um, on, on that front. Well, there weren't many women mentors in my professional experience. Um, I had a really great mentor at Columbia. But the person that has probably helped me the most is um, a, uh, a good friend, Lynn Gaffney, who is an architect in Brooklyn. And I met her at Columbia. And for the last um, almost 10 years, we talk every single week. Right now, it's Thursday morning at 8.30. And we talk about, you know, oh my God, I'm never going to get another project in my life. And then the other one's like, oh, don't worry. It only takes one phone call. Um, and, you know, we, we, and then like, oh my God, you're not going to believe what this guy just said to me. Um, to like, what do you think of this design? So, and we actually even designed a school together um, for Architects Without Borders. But she's been a tremendous support to me over the years. I don't know how I would have done it without her. How about um, others of you? Have you had... Uh, mentor in the profession or have you 
that do have a support network of, of, of like-minded women or even men and women I that you had, turn to? I mean, so in construction, there aren't a lot of women. In fact, uh, you know, contractors like to play golf. <laughs> and uh, I am a terrible golf player. But those women tees are awful. They do, they do nothing for your golf game or for career building. If you're the only female playing golf, other than I have won the longest drive <laughs> at several tournaments because I was the only female. But I, I did have uh, the honor. When I started, I worked, uh, there was another female project manager. And again, so I didn't think it was odd that there were women in construction. And then about two years after I started there, we hired a project superintendent who was a female. And that is odd. You don't see too many women with tools on. And this lady could frame a house and she could lead a crew. And if anybody gave her lip and she got lip, this is mm, late 80s. She got lip from the guys. She was able to handle it in a graceful, tasteful way other than there was a fallopian tube order once that she asked somebody to make. <laughs> so I would say, I mean, I, I, I was, I was, it was great that I had women in construction with me, but it was really the, the superintendent that said, hey, dust bunny, that was probably, and still I consider my, my best mentor. I, I mean, literally he, Week one called me a dust bunny, and uh, do you, everybody knows this, what a dust bunny is. It's the dust underneath the couch that you can't clean up and you want to get rid of, and it's there. So I was basically, you know, it was, it was a derogatory term. But that superintendent was, I mean, I could go to him with any question. It was just, he was old school, and we became good friends. And to this day, I still think of all the things that I learned from Larry Holton. And so I would like to say I had great mentoring from other women, but uh, I'm a true believer that you can get gems from anybody with any walk of life and background. And uh, so Larry taught me a whole lot. Not Walt. Huh? Not no, Walt. Walt, I didn't get a lot from Walt. Also a nice guy. <laughs> Poor Walt. <laughs> Um, does anyone else have uh, I'll jump in on yes. this. So um, I didn't actually have any real women ice cream, real women mentors <laughs> um, either. Um, it, so, so when I was in construction management at the University of Washington, um, I think my graduating class was between 50 and 55. There were two women in my graduating class. Um, uh, the, the one other gal who's a good friend of mine now went to work for Kiwit. She's been with Kiwit for, um, I guess it's been over 20, 20 years anyway. Um, and um, so not really, I mean, there was, a, there was a gal that taught at the University of Washington that was actually a Kiwit gal too. Ann Hegstrom was, was her name and she'd spent many, many years there and, and was, um, she was a popular teacher. So I guess I could say that it was, I kind of looked up to her a little bit, but my mentoring um, came from my classmates, and and I have a group of guys that I've gotten together with um, for 20 years since we graduated from college, and and we compare notes, and we do it like once a year, um, and and we mentor each other, and and there's mentoring that goes on in the field from 
different subcontractors that have been around for a long time and and different builders. I mean, my brother is very good at reaching out to other builders and, and we have a dialogue that goes on that helps, you know, all of us, you know, what's the temperature of the market and, and what are people doing and, and how can we do it better? Um, so I, 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 unfortunately not women because there's just not a lot of women mentors to draw from and maybe we're changing that a little bit, little by little. But I mean, everybody's a mentor in some way. Like you said, there's a gem from everybody, right? And you had something to say. Well, well one, I still haven't found, well, I, when I was doing my thesis um, years ago, um, if anybody doesn't know, MIT is 75% male, 25% female. So it was easy to get a date, but hard to find a female professor. But I did manage to get a co-professor to work with me on my thesis, which was very comforting. Um, but um, today, my mentor is here. Bob is sitting right here. And um, he's a great mentor. It's just he's not a woman. <laughs> um, he'll, he'll listen to me when I call him. And he'll say, Arlene, if you, if you haven't done it now, now is the time to learn. And you know, those are some of the great things that Bob said to me to help me succeed. Um, just kind of stumbling out and building this firm by myself. Um, he's, he, I called him a few weeks ago, and he's in Arizona on vacation. And he picks up the phone. I'm like, wow, this is cool. I needed some help. <laughs> so um, I really thank my mentor, Bob, um, and all the other people that continue to help me all the time. Um, another architect here that came is Helen. I, I appreciate our conversations where it's similar to what Sherry was saying, where you're in a situation you're dealing with, it, whether it's a project, a contract, a, hey, they're not paying my bill. Do you think they're going to stiff me? <laughs> um, you know, and then lo and behold, a few days later, the check comes in. You're like, oh, I feel much better. <laughs> um, but um, I think just it's hard to find the females. Um, but I, I really do appreciate having Bob and, and all of his wisdom that he shares with me. Um, on the flip side of that, do you, um, with your current positions, do you take the time to actively mentor younger women coming up in the field or just women in general, colleagues, um, et cetera. Dawn, do you want to hit on that? I'm, I'm lucky right now we have uh, our office staff is um, all women, except for David. And we have an accountant that comes in twice a week, and he brings a little male bonding into the office. But um, one thing that, that I've done since I, you know, a couple years into it, and it was just because my dad did it for me, and if a young woman come, came to work in the office, is the first thing I did is teach her how to use tape measure. Because if you're going to go out on a construction site, then you need to hold that tape measure with authority. And you need to show them what you know what you're doing. So, so many times they come in with, they maybe aren't good at math, or you know, come out of a program, design program, they don't have an idea. So let's get out there. Let's uh, 
put this tape measure to good use, let me show you how to use it so you can be an authority figure out there and gain respect from the people that you're working with. So that was one of the first things I did. And then as my kids got into school, I found a real gap with, um, you know, I navigated through trying to figure out college and, and helping them get their applications or whatever. But I saw a group of kids that were similar to my background, which is my parents didn't have any idea of what it meant to apply for college or get into a four-year degree. And that was really important for me with my kids, a big, big goal of mine. And so I saw this gap of these kids who um, don't have anybody that they can even, that even helps them navigate to even apply, to apply for um, scholarships. And so I started sitting down with, um, as my kids went through, their friends who didn't have parents who didn't push them to maybe go into college, but they definitely were college material and they wanted to. And I would meet with them once a month and give a laptop, a, some of our old laptops to uh, a young lady that, you know, she's used it all four years of school. She just brought it back so I could give it to somebody else. So things like that, I think, you know, we've taken a, a small role in, a small step. Mary, did you have? Um, yeah, I teach um, at least once a quarter at the University of Washington in the College of Built Environments. And I teach uh, usually graduate students uh, studio classes. And I, when I was in graduate school, I had no women studio professors. And that kind of circles back to what you're talking about. I really had no mentors. There were um, a few older women architects who would occasionally show up, but they had ceased to teach. And it's before a few new ones came in. Um, so I feel like that is a real opportunity for me to uh, make myself available to my students, not only just in class, but also outside of class, and invite them into our office, which is usually about 50% women. I mean, it kind of fluctuates, but we have... So those people are in my office who are young, younger women. They're sort of my natural mentees. We have... Um, a more formal mentorship program in the office too, where we all, we're assigned people that we mentor or we advise. Um, so that all um, that all works out. Um, but I was going to say too that um, the mentors that I had when I was in school were my male professors because that's all I had. But they were the ones who were kind of the outliers. And they would see possibilities. And they would see something where you didn't come from a traditional background, and you didn't think traditionally like their male students did. And so they had the imagination and the um, sort of, um, I don't know, courage, I guess, to decide that I was worth paying a little attention to. And one of those great mentors, I just wanted to say, was Wendell Lovett. He, was a well-known architect here for years and years and years. And uh, Wendell's really hard on me, but he taught me so much. Um, and Meredith, um, running, being the president of a firm, what, what, um, what do, are you doing anything specifically in terms of mentoring? Or how, how do you nurture talent within your, your firm amongst women? Um. Yeah, I think mentoring is critically important. And often it's about listening, you know, understanding what that person's goals are and giving them the tools or resources to be successful. Um, so I, and I do that 
you know, the men and the women in our firm need the, that guidance. Uh, but for the women, I do encourage them. I tell them it's incredibly important that they pursue their license um, and pursue leadership opportunities in the firm. And I think that um, you, we, you know, a lot of people have families and they are, you know, deal with the challenges of actually getting licensed. And I let them know that I think it's critically important because the communities really need to be designed by the people who live in the community. So the, the architecture field really needs to be diverse. Um, and so I do encourage that, you know, try to give them the tools and the resources that they need to, to be successful and to follow the path that's important to them. Um, Lisa, I was just gonna say too that um, not only encouraging leadership within the firm, but I think it's really important to encourage leadership in, in the community in as far as uh, boards and commissions that you can be involved in and to make women more visible in the public sector, I think is really important because you can influence policy, which is, as we all know, has a huge influence on everything that we do. Um, and I actually do wanna give a shout out to the AIA, which has some wonderful committees that um, mentor young women. The um, uh, Women in Design organization within the AIA has been really helpful to me just networking other women designers. Yeah, and on that point, um, what we found and through the AIA, we find that mentoring children is the first step. Because uh, once a person is in their you know, college, they kind of have decided what they want to do and they need a different level of mentoring. But just the exposure to architecture and design at fourth grade, you know, first grade, second grade, whatever it may be, um, that's a great opportunity to get that exposure let them know the opportunities are there, and then give them some tools to, to take that route if that's what they choose to do. Um, and then on that note, um, it's interesting. There's kind of a, an even split of you who um, have your own firms um, or came on to existing firms, and in Meredith's case now, are the big cheese at your firm. Um, but for those of you who started your own firms, what, what was sort of that compelling moment that, that made you decide that that was really where you needed to be? And, and what has it given you as an architect and how has it allowed you to grow as a, or a, or, um, a builder? Um, Arlene, do you wanna take that since you're sitting right next to me? Sure, sure. <laughs> Eric Toth, please close your ears. <laughs> I was working for Eric um, as a general contractor, and I learned so much working at Toth Construction. I, I appreciate everything that they, um, they let me do in terms of learning the other side of the business, how to, how to run contracts and schedules and manage a, a building site. And they manage some amazing building sites um, and put some great buildings together. But, with that said, um, I, I always knew I wanted it because um, I felt that it was really going to be either I do it or I'd always be working for someone else. And it wasn't in my blood to work for someone else for my whole life. So I said, I've got to have the courage. i got to quit my job. I had a supportive husband. And I put my shingle out there. And I had just some wonderful um, leads. Um, one thing is don't ever turn down somebody that asks you to get 
a job done for doorknobs and one fireplace design. Um, it kept me employed for seven years and it gave me an opportunity of a lifetime. So, so always look at every opportunity as an opportunity. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm forever grateful to that family. It's, it built my firm, um, gave me the confidence I needed. I worked hard. Um, I was accountable. I was out there, I had to put a design together and I had never done it before. And so, um, you know, there weren't any mentors. Um, so I actually um, kept reading Tom Bosworth's book, um, Building with Light in the Pacific Northwest, and I pretended I was talking to him with my critiques. Um, <laughs> um, anyhow, uh, so I, I, I successfully did that job and, and lo and behold, um, I got a few other opportunities, and again, I'm blessed with another job that is very challenging. I'm very grateful for the opportunity that's being given to me, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. And Allison, I'm curious with you, you work with your brother. What, what inspired the two of you to just... Yeah, I'm trying to think about it while I'm <laughs> listening to everybody talk and their motivations, and um, you know, I think it's got to go back to the family history again. I mean, just um, having grown up moving from house to house, it, you know, anybody that's got a parent that was a builder or somebody that maybe even was an architect, and, you know, you build a house and then you sell it and then you go to the next house. And so we lived in many houses. But, you know, I was able to always look back and go, wow, that was a really cool house. My dad worked with um, Tony Callison quite a bit when um, Tony first graduated from college and, and teamed up and he had some AIA homes of the month and back when the Seattle Times used to run it. Anyway, I, I just, it was, you know, a, a legacy that he left behind and it seemed like it would be really cool to leave our own legacy. Um, and, 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 you know, building is, you walk away and there's something there and it gets passed on and people live there and they make homes and it, it's, it's rewarding. Um, and it just, it, it, it worked out that my brother also was, you know, construction management and he went into the trades and it was, I mean, who else can you trust more? And then, you know, maybe not trust all the time. So, <laughs> no, no, really. I mean, it's, you know, we're, we're, we're totally opposites. And, and, but work together so well, but um, I just, I, Working and in, in doing wonderful things for nice people is, it, it's rewarding, right? So Lisa, I have something to add to yeah. the whole, it's not as positive, unfortunate, but, um, unfortunately, but, um, so one of the reasons I started my own firm was because of what happened to me when I was working for large firms. And I, I saw firsthand that I got paid less than people that were doing, that the men that were doing the same job I was, and maybe not doing it as well as somebody else was, else was as Sharon was saying. Um, and also the sexism was just, uh, um, I just, I couldn't, I got to the point where I just couldn't take it anymore. Um, so uh, I decided that although it was risky, it was, I was better off um, having my own business and one thing that I made sure is I put, made sure my name was in, in, it was Sherry Olson, it wasn't Olson Architects, because I wanted people to know right away that it was a woman. 
And if you have a hard time hiring a woman or listening to a woman, then you don't probably call me. So it kind of cuts out like half the problem right there. So. And how about you, Mary? What's what's your experience? You're you work with your husband, so right. how, <laughs> that's that's a whole other kettle of fish. Yeah, exactly. It is, but it's not um, uncommon mm -hmm. in yeah. architecture, and we like to think that part of it is that when you're in architecture school, you have no time to meet anyone else except the person on the desks beside you. So that's sort of out of opportunity and necessity. But, um, and like Allison said, she and her brother are really opposite. I think Ray and I are really opposite too. And that works well in our firm. Uh, because especially when we're working with residential clients, I think, uh, you, you have, and we, those are the jobs that we do, we like to take for ourselves. We do lots of different kinds of work, but um, the houses are special. You know, we're doing beautiful things for nice people is really fun. And so we take the fun stuff and do it ourselves. And it, it usually works out that um, one or the other of us will take a lead, but occasionally we'll have a project where we just resonate so much with the client and it just becomes a wonderful friendship and a wonderful experience, but we listen differently. So if it's a couple, one of us will listen a little better to one person and the other will listen a little better to the other person. So there's a lot of um, interpretation going on in interpersonal relationships, which I think everyone who does design and construction can really testify to. Um, and so Don, what, What's your, what's your experience with, with your firm, with David? Well, I think for me, I started out in Kitchen and Bath, like I said, working for somebody else and had been there for 10 years. Um, and I just had got to as far as I could go there. And I needed more. I, I was frustrated with where I was and the lack of control and the, well, not necessarily control, the creative freedom or, you know, you're putting all this, I treated it as if it was my company, but it wasn't. So I needed to be in a place that it was my company. And David and I talked and every time we would work together, it just would elevate both of our work. We don't have any problem playing off of one another and we, we are um, opposites and he has been a great mentor to me, not only as uh, in the construction industry, but actually as a parent. He's been uh, really great with that. He has three daughters and I have three children. And so going into business with somebody who had a similar family situation, and so he, I would support him when he needed support, like go pick up the kids if that's what it took, he would do the same for me. And so I think that um, I just was ready for more. And um, I feel like each time, I, I love learning, I don't like to be bored, and I just want to keep moving forward. And we've done that. And he continually uh, challenges us, and sometimes I challenge us. And um, I love continuing to step up to the plate and bring um, original designs and, and uh, great construction forward. Lisa, Don just touched on something that I think it would be great to talk about a little bit, because I think we all have experienced it. And that is that balance that I think women particularly feel in this field toward family and work. Um, because at least I know in the women in our office 
and it's something we, we try really hard to have a good family leave policy and all of that, but I see that the women architects in our office take on the bulk of the family burden. Uh, it, you know, it's great to be, to run a household, have children, but you know, it's a lot of work. And I do see that there is still a great challenge, especially in, I think, our field of um, creating that sort of balance and those partnerships that allow us to fully engage in our profession and at the same time have a you know rich and fulfilling family life. It's just ongoing. I think it makes it, I mean, I, I feel like having the kids added another element that made me better. Um, you didn't want to fail because of the kids. Um, you had to be more organized. Um, you had to be able to network better. And I am a true believer in it takes a village. I, you know, I have two kids who are uh, grown, and I, I think they, they turned out pretty good. I'm a little biased. But um, I really do think it adds another element, especially in, in residential construction. I find that um, my life with my family adds more value to my clients because I get what they're going through or what they need. And, and some of the challenges that they have in making decisions or whatever it is. So I think, um, you know, to me, it's the kids that make us better. So I'm curious, kind of spinning off of that, you joined an established firm and now you're the president of an established firm. Um, what, what, is, what is that experience like for you and why have you yeah. chosen that path versus maybe it, starting something of your own? I think it kind of chose me. Um, I, I didn't have enough guts to go out on my own, honestly. I mean, I applaud those of you who have. I mean, it, that's a big leap. And um, in my family, my husband worked for himself. So I was sort of the constant breadwinner. His, his salary would go up and down sometimes. I brought home the insurance. And um, so it was, it was the stability that made me stay. But like Don said, I mean, I always acted as though it was my own company. I mean, I, I feel like any good employee does. And you want to learn the whole balance And that's of why it. you're the president. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> that and my good poker playing. <laughs> but not your golf. <laughs> not the golf. <laughs> and, and Meredith, how about you being a part of an established firm, um, and, and what has, has that meant to you? Uh, yeah, my path to, that, to this position, um, I'm, think, I'm realizing it's because I have trouble saying no <laughs> uh, to a challenge. You know, I, I, a lot of challenges were put in front of me, and I, yeah, I can't say no. I've got to figure out how can I get this done. And I think that led me to different, you know, elevated roles within the firm to the point where, do you want to be president? Okay, sure, I'll be president. <laughs> I've never done that before, so let's give it a try. Um, so yeah, and at Bayless, so I'm one of the third generation owners, and, and I didn't have the inspiration or that whatever it is inside of you that makes you want to be a, a sole proprietor or an entrepreneur. I think I was more of the type of person who just likes to make, think, make sure that things are done right and that clients are happy and that the product is a good product. 
And so I was kind of more of a manager type of personality, not so much an entrepreneurial personality. But being the presidents of firms, like that's sort of inherent in the gig. Like you may not have started it, but the responsibility sort of lands oh. on your shoulders for all yes. of, for the continuing, having the firm thrive and continue for the fourth generation. Yes, absolutely. Or the next generation in, in Sharon's case, yeah. so. Um, well, I think we've, we've chatted for a good long while, so I wanted to, to throw it open to questions. Um, does anyone have any for our lovely, wonderful, thoughtful panelists? Very quiet. I should have put a plant in the audience. Oh, yes. Okay, thank you. So the question we wanted to hit on is about diversity and, and uh, beyond gender diversity to, to all types of inclusion and diversity. I, I was just reading something today, um, and I think it was Curb that published it, but I, they were sorting different site, um, resources and um, citations on it, but um, it's not good. It's actually gotten worse. So. Um, and there's a lot of reasons for that. But that, that's what this report was saying. And I, I tend to believe it. Um, it it's a profession that is, um, it, the education is very expensive. And entry wages are not very high. And it's kind of like it has, it's sort of a labor of love. If you're, you know, if you're looking for a profession where you want to you have to feel a lot of pressure to like earn money and buy a house and not and be able to pay off your student loan it's probably not the profession for you so and although there are a lot of women in the in school i don't know it's kind of hovers around 50% i think but um, but the thing is like someone touched on this earlier oh it was meredith who was saying she encourages um, people the women in her office to get registered um, there's actually a gap. There's like a 30% of the women that graduate from architecture schools don't get licensed. And so they just, and if you don't get licensed, you can't move up. Your wages don't go up. And you usually end up dropping out. Right. Well, a lot of women, that's, the fa that's a famous statistic. That, um, yeah, architecture schools are 50% women and 18% of the AIA registered architects are women. So, huh, you know, what happens? And some of it is uh, uh, they just leave the field and they do other things. And then a big question for me is, well, there's some just go to something equal fulfilling. They've just found a different path. But then I wonder why some of the women do leave the field that maybe don't want to. And I think those are questions that we're still trying to, um, still trying to answer. Oh, I, I think one of the things that I think is what you brought up earlier, Mary, which is the burden of rearing children falls on women, and we don't have very good childcare in this country. And in architecture, it takes really long hours. It's really long hours. All right, right there. Yeah, I have a question. 
inspires you guys to do your best work? That's a good one. What inspires you all to do your I, best work? Sharon? I got a little bit of a story there. Um, so I did commercial construction, did tenant improvement for many years. And um, when I decided to work for Fairbank Construction, one of my female colleagues said, you know, you're going to have to work with the owners, like the people in the house. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds like what I'm going to be doing. Is that so terrible? And she said, they're so emotional. <laughs> this, is, this is the female superintendent. So she was a little bit more on the harder side of things, I suppose. And uh, unbeknownst to me, that has been one of the most rewarding parts of, about working in residential construction is I, I love the emotion. I love the passion. I love the passion the architects bring. I love the passion and the emotion the homeowners bring. And then I, I need to say something about the trades and, and back to diversity. I mean, we really in construction are, I, have, I don't have any statistics. I'm sure we're nowhere near 50% of women in construction. And if we were, we would probably be nowhere near 18% in higher roles or maintaining their um, uh, credentials or whatever. And uh, constructions it's getting harder and harder to find anybody. And we do have maybe a little bit more diversity in the trades. Um, but back to what's rewarding, the, the people who are building homes or building high rises these are the salt of the earth people. And I mean, I, I go out to a job site and I'm like blown away at how things go together. I, I, I know how a skill saw works. I've used one once, but I don't really know how to work with tools. I'll just be honest. I, I, I can do a hammer, a, a sledgehammer. But beyond that, I mean, it, they might not have a higher education, but these guys are masters of what they do and they're, they are hardworking and you know, just really great people. And so that's rewarding and, and it keeps me going. And it, it keeps me keep thinking about the next project and making sure that these guys who don't earn very much have a paycheck. I would agree. I think it's the relationships. And I think it's that way in, in anything that we do, whatever industry we're in. It's the relationships that you, you create. It's the connection. It's the journey that you're on. It's sharing it with these people. And watching them get excited when you're making them uncomfortable because you're taking them in a direction or you're challenging them. I think that really um, inspires me to have them be uncomfortable but have them trust you. And I have to say it's the clients that never questioned. They didn't come in and say, I, I did get because my name is Dawn. I, di I always get the phone call, oh, we are a girl. Yes, I'm a girl. But the clients really didn't question. And I had a little bit out in the field with the guys, but I would always figure out, you know, I welcome the challenge because it is that challenge and getting past it. I really developed great relationships with people that challenged me at first that looked at me, that underestimated me, that maybe said something that was a little off. And just take a deep breath, dive in, start working with them. And you, you just find these are really great people out there. And maybe they just didn't know how to articulate well. Or maybe they just were surprised by you being there. But I think it's our opportunity to just be out there and have, uh, I'm, I'm really inspired to be in this, this field. And I love it. I love the relationship. I just want to add really quickly. Um, just a couple months ago, 
I was at a job site meeting and, and I had the client, the wife, the interior designer, and the architect, and me. And we were all women and we were meeting with a, a tree feller, a sawyer, you know, who's going to cut down a tree. Anyway, so you know, big guy, big tools. And he, so he comes to the job site and everybody else is gone. It's just the, the four women and Mike. And Mike was, I had met Mike before, but Mike was a little tongue-tied. And he's looking at us and I said, well, what's up? He goes, I feel a little outnumbered. <laughs> I said, yeah, none of us know how to cut a tree down. <laughs> you got that. But it was because he was in a meeting with four women. And I, I think I have spent my entire 30 years being in a small minority. I go into a conference room and it's 20, 20 men and me. And uh, I'm thinking, I'm glad you're uncomfortable. <laughs> Um, and then I think we have time for one more question if someone, yes. Oh, Eric. Hi, so I deal a lot with uh, high school, we're big on education, so we deal a lot with high school sophomores, juniors, and seniors, and, and, and pushing them into uh, college careers. I don't hear any of them talking about architecture or design or construction management degrees. These guys, I think, think these are major heavy lifts. I'd love to hear what you guys advise me on, give me some kernels of advice to inspire some of these kids to push towards some of these degrees. What maybe inspired you or what would be, what kind of opportunities well, would tell them to make the, make the push? Yeah, one of the things I would say right away is that um, the fields, all these fields have changed so much in the past few years and there's so much technology that is super cool. You know, in, in, in our field of architectural design, the software is like amazing now, but there are versions of it that you can get that a kid can learn so much faster than a grown-up. You know, a young person will just take to it immediately. And so I turn them on to some software that they think is more like a game. SketchUp. Yeah, SketchUp, <laughs> for sure. And um, that's, a, that's a real entree, I think, because that's their world, that's their language now. And then we do a few things where, um, you know, career day at school. And we're invited to come and speak to students. And I think that's always worthwhile, too. Because then you can, and I'm encouraging the younger architects and the interns in our office to do that outreach. Because then those kids see someone near their age, and, and they can kind of speak that language. So I think those two things work as well as anything. Can I add one thing to the conversation and kind of closing? I know you're trying to close out here. Go for it. Can we all encourage um, young people we know also to go into the trades? Because yeah. honestly, it's a problem. that's who build these houses and these projects and you touched on, somebody touched on it and we are losing young people in the trades and it's their craftsmen and their, I mean, so it's great. I think we should encourage them in architecture and women in architecture. But we all got to, you know, push that to our children and our people that we mentor. I mean, I know we want to mentor them in what we do, too, but it's a problem. And, you know, these kids have to do public service, too, nowadays, you know, to graduate. And I think steering them toward service projects that, in, that, in, um, that are building something is really good. 
to. You know, they can build tiny houses or they can build kiosks or, you know, anything. Go down to New Orleans and yes, work on seriously. Mm -hmm. Habitat. Uh, and can't I do just, Habitat until you're like older. Yeah. I would just add if that program has any access to the university because high school kids love to see um, college kids building models or looking through virtual reality goggles or whatever. So that's been really successful in our AIA program. Uh, there's a number of tours to architectural offices and to the university to, you know, to see older cool kids doing this. Well, thank you so much everyone and to all of our panelists. Um, and I think Debbie has some final thoughts. I do. Um, one thing, before I get into a fun thing, would it be apropos for all the A players in this room to communicate with the panelists, and I will give them your emails, if they have young adults who they are mentoring who they could personally lead to your doorstep. Would, would you welcome that? Okay, so everybody in this room, ping me. If you have names, people. I'll be the mom, because you know I love being the mom. And, and we will make this happen. Because there's no group website or group blog or, or you know, Facebook page or something that we can go to and people get resumes. But I trust everyone in this room's opinion and their vetting of young kids and who's appropriate and new, who needs help. And some of the most brilliant minds are the most impoverished kids. And if you know some of these underprivileged, impoverished kids who need a break, as a group, we all do want to help them. And through the panelists and other connections that Lux has, we will do that, because that's our job. Okay. Thank you so much, panelists. Thank you. Now. <laughs>